0: let's pray and ask God to meet us in the word today I pray Lord that you would give us hearts that are wide open and accepting and surrendered to you as we open your word and I pray that you would give me uh, wisdom and give me the right heart and the right spirit and and we know that the call to missions was well, kind of radical, and, but it's so good for us to hear. It's so good for us to, to open our hearts to what you might be calling us to do as a church, as individuals. And so I pray, Lord, that you would have free reign in each heart here this morning as we open up the scriptures. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good. A few years ago, there was a couple here at Mercy Hill. Um I won't mention their name just for security reasons, but um they just finished college, they'd gotten their credentials, teaching credentials, they'd landed teaching jobs and um were getting ready to you know, buy a home and, and start raising their family. Um but then Jesus powerfully intervened and profoundly changed the direction of their lives. Here's what happened. Um they decided to take a summer vacation for six weeks to visit some family members who were missionaries to the U people in Central Asia. Let me tell you a little bit about the U people. The U people, there's 10 million of them. Okay, and this is where they where they live. They mostly live in eastern Kazakhstan, right here, and then northwest, actually down into here to western China. And uh, they're Muslim people. Uh, There's 10 million of them, I think I said, and there's research that was done a couple years ago. Out of this 10 million uh, of the U people, we call them the U people also for security reasons, there's only, a few years ago, the study showed there was only 50 believers. So that would be like in in San Jose, there's a million people in San Jose, one, two, three, four, five. That'd be like you five are the only believers in the million people here in San Jose. That's what this would be like, Okay. 10 million to 50, 1 million to 5, the ratio works, I think. Does that work? <laughs> okay, it's close. All right. Um, so a few years ago, that, that's what the, the research showed, 50 believers. And the reason that they're called unreached is because there is no established church uh, in their culture or in their language, which means that the only way the you people, these 10 million uh, you people are going to hear the gospel as if somebody crosses a geographical barrier and a cultural barrier, enters into a whole new different culture, and crosses a, a language barrier, learns a whole new language, learns to communicate in a whole new manner of speaking. That's why they're called unreached. So this couple was there for six weeks. Uh, I'll show you where they were, although I can't say it. They were right there, okay? All right, that's where they are. And they met you people. And they talked with some who, there are some who speak some level of English. So they met them and they talked with them. And through spending six weeks with the you people, Jesus broke their hearts for the fact that here there's 10 million people and they will not hear the gospel unless somebody crosses cultural language lines. And so when they came back, they totally changed the course of their life. They decided to move there as full-time career Missionaries. So they spent a year, um, they joined a missions agency, they spent year, the year in training, then a year later they were moving back, they packed up all their stuff, sold their stuff, and moved. And since then, they've been there for I think five years now, um, they're raising their family, they are learning both the national language and also the U language, there's two whole different languages that they've had to learn and they're, they're, they've learned them. Substantially, they've met a whole lot of you people, and God has used them to see a small underground church started there in that city, and then also one started right down here. so there's actually two churches going on now. now, I want to share that to raise a question, okay The question is, honestly, is it really worth the cost and the risk and the the trouble to go halfway around the globe? to tell people about Jesus. Yeah, I know there's not a lot of believers amongst the you people, but is it really worth the cost, the time, the risk, the trouble? It's a very politically sensitive area, a dangerous place to be doing this. Is is it worth it when there's 950,000 people here in San Jose who don't know Jesus? Right? we we got our, our work cut out for us here. So is it really worth it? Why would they... Be willing to do that and why would we as a church encourage them to do something like that and support them in doing something like that? Is it really worth it? Why would we think that that was a worthwhile endeavor? That's what I want to share with you this morning. And the answer, at least one passage that I think answers that, is in Matthew chapter 24 verse 14. So let's turn there. If you need a Bible, we'd like you to be able to look up these passages with us. So raise your hand, we'll pass one to you. Matthew 24 is on page 829 in the Bibles that we're passing out. Matthew 24, 14 is a very important verse. I would recommend that you memorize this, meditate on it, think deeply about it. It's a, it's a powerful scripture because one of the reasons is, I mean, have you ever wondered when history will come to a close? Isn't it the Mayan calendar right now that's talking about 2012 as when history right? have you ever wondered when history is going to come to a close? Like when will Jesus come back? When is the second coming going to take place? This verse. Matthew twenty four fourteen is one of the clearest verses where Jesus explains when it is that he will come back. Now, let's start with verse 1, though, just to get the context so you can see the flow of thought of what Jesus is saying here. Start in verse 1, Matthew 24, again, that's page 829 in the Bibles we just passed out. Verse 1, Jesus left the temple and was going away. When his disciples came to point out to him the buildings of the temple. Very impressive buildings. But he answered them, You see all these, do you not? Truly I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. Now that would have been shocking to the disciples to hear. This massive temple, God's temple, God's temple, was going to be completely destroyed. So they had some follow-up questions. Verse 3. He sat on the Mount of Olives. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be? You'd want to know too, wouldn't you? When is the temple going to be destroyed? And then they had some follow-up questions. They thought these might have all t- taken place at the same time. It turns out that there's a, two different events here. When will these things be, the destruction of the temple? And what will be the sign of your coming and the close of the age so they're asking Jesus when's the temple going to be destroyed and when's the second coming going to take place and so he answers them look at verse 4 Jesus answered them see that no one leads you astray for many will come in my name saying I am the Christ and they will lead many astray don't be led astray okay Jesus warns us very clearly here many will be led astray don't let that be you And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed. Isn't that encouraging? Don't be alarmed when you hear about wars. If you hear about a big war breaking out this next week, Jesus has said, yeah, don't be alarmed. I love Jesus. (laughs) What an amazing, see that you are not alarmed. For this must take place, but the end is not yet. So he's telling us what's not the end. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains, not the end. It's just the beginning. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death, and you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And in verse 14, here's where he tells us when the end will come. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole World as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So, did you catch that? This is when the end will come. This is when history will be drawn to a close. This is when the second coming will take place. It's when the gospel has been preached the good news of Jesus Christ, his life, and saving death, and victorious resurrection when the gospel is proclaimed to all the nations, then the end will come. I want to share with you three implications. As I've thought about that verse, I think there's three truths that flow from that. See if you agree that these are implications. The first one is this. What this means for us now today is that the gospel has not yet been preached to all the nations. Okay, Do you see why that would follow? All right, here's why. Jesus will come back as soon as the gospel has been preached to all the nations, has Jesus come back? No. Which means what? The gospel hasn't yet been preached to all the nations then. Now that, that might puzzle you, and that, it would be helpful if it did, because you might think, well now wait a minute, in the last 200 years especially, haven't we preached the gospel to all the nations like Morocco and China and Indonesia and Afghanistan? Hasn't the gospel been preached in all those nations? And the answer is yes. But the word nations back in Bible times didn't refer to entities like China or Mongolia or Indonesia. In Bible times, the word nations, it's the Greek word ethne, and it refers to people groups that are distinct uh, by ethnicity and that are distinct culturally and that are distinct um, by language, linguistically. So I've got this picture. You can't see it that well, but here's Morocco. And see, Morocco, I'm not... This doesn't exactly match up the figures that I saw, but, but Morocco, if, if we want to know we've preached the gospel to Morocco, it's not enough to go to, to Casablanca. Where is Casablanca? I don't even know where it is. Anyway, all right, there. It's not enough to go to Casablanca, that's kind of the big city, and preach the gospel there and think we've preached it to Morocco because there's a number of smaller, distinct people groups um, in Morocco. For example, there's 16 million Moroccan Arabs in Morocco. There's 1.8 million Jabala people. There's million Tomazit people, and there's 1.3 million Reef Berber people, and and others that are even smaller. And so, for example, the Reef Berbers are right up here. Okay? 1.3 million Reef Berbers. That's where we've been focusing some of our efforts, right there. So that's why the gospel hasn't been preached yet to all the nations, is because the word nations in Greek, back in Bible times, referred to distinct people groups. Does that make sense? So there's probably a dozen people groups in Morocco. There's thousands in China, for example, okay? And research has shown the Caleb Project is a missions think tank that has studied the people groups around the globe, and they say that at this point there are still 12,000 people groups that are not having the gospel preached to them. There's still 12,000 unreached peoples in the globe today. So one implication of this is that what Jesus is saying then must mean that we haven't preached the gospel to all the nations yet, and that's why. Does that make sense? Okay, second implication. The gospel will be preached to all the nations. Do you see why that follows? Is there any doubt that Jesus is going to come back? No! Okay, if you were doubting it, let us dispel you of that doubt, okay? Jesus Christ is going to come back. There's absolutely no question. And if Jesus won't come back until the gospel's been preached to all the people groups, and if he's certainly going to come back, that means that, what? The gospel will be preached to all the people groups. And one of the reasons for that, Revelation, or one of the reasons we know that, is that Revelation 5, uh, John says, he's talking about the lamb that was slain, and he says he purchased through the, the cross peoples from every, people from every tribe, tongue, and people group. Jesus on his, in his death on the cross purchased for God with his blood people from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. So he has purchased the salvation for people from every single ethnic, linguistic group. And then in Revelation 7, John sees this vision of heaven. He sees a multitude no one can count from every tribe and people and tongue and nation in heaven. So we know that the gospel is going to pre- preach to every people group. So first implication, the gospel hasn't yet been preached to every people group. Second implication, it will be preached to every people group. Third implication, every believer should be passionate about taking the gospel to every people group. And to see how that one follows. Let me, let me spell it out like this. If you're a follower of Jesus then you've met the living Jesus. You know Jesus Christ. And you're not perfect in this. None of us are. It's not 24-7. But your highest joy, most of the time, is knowing the living Jesus. Knowing him. fellowshipping with him. Talking to him. And your greatest longing, most of the time, is for him to come back. So you can fellowship with him face-to-face, know him more fully. That's your longing, is for Jesus to come back. Like the early church prayed, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus, come, Lord Jesus. Now, if Jesus has said he will come back when the gospel's been preached to all the nations, all the people groups, and if you long for Jesus to come back, what are you going to be passionate about? Seeing the gospel preached to all the people groups. Does that make sense? Okay, that's the flow. And so, now there's lots of other reasons why the scriptures stir us to be passionate about seeing the gospel preached to all peoples. I mean, we long for them. If you, if you have been saved, you love, it's like Cindy was sharing, the Lord stirs in your heart compassion. You love You'd love for them to to be forgiven for their sins like you've been, and to taste the joy of knowing the living Jesus like you taste. And so you long for them to come to know Christ, and and you long for them not to face eternal punishment for their sins, and to be saved through the redemption of Jesus, and and you long for Jesus to be glorified in every people group. So there's lots of other reasons why you long for Jesus to be preached to all the people groups. This is another one, because as soon as the gospel is preached to all the nations, then, The end will come. Okay, now, so those are the three implications. How are we doing in terms of preaching the gospel to every people group? And what I want to do is give you a visual picture. I'm going to need some volunteers, so start getting ready to come up here and volunteer. We've got to act this out, kind of, sort of. Not really act it, just stand here. But anyway, I want to give you a visual picture of the population of the world, and the spiritual state of the different people groups in the world, and then what's happening in missions today so that we can see the need that's there in terms of unreached people groups. So to start off, I need 12 of you to come up. I need six of you to stand here, and I, how about on this this first step? Six here, and then six over on this side of the pulpit. So I need 12 of you, like right now, come on up. All you have to do is just stand here. I won't embarrass you too much, okay? So here's what these six people are doing. There's... There's uh, 6.7 billion people in the world. Okay, down there, good. And then, how are we doing here? We can't have two. One, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five, six. I mean all of you. Okay, uh, come down, come down to the, and then you guys can spread out to the, to the, to your left a little bit more. I want there's just got to be a distinction here. Is this mic still going to work if I'm out here? Okay. Um, okay. Now on the left, these are. First of all, the population, 6.7 billion, but we're going to round it down to 6 billion just for the sake of, of uh, making it easier to do the calculations. And uh, so here's half. Each person, you know, work hard at this. Each of you are representing half a billion people, okay? All right? Put your, put your all into it. All right? Now, half of the world we would categorize as reached. Don't misunderstand this. That does not mean half of the world is knowing and trusting Jesus, it okay, means half of the world has access to the gospel in their culture, okay? Now, let me just break this down, and I need to bring some of my props here with me. This is working out, okay. First of all, far left, um, we'll, we'll call we'll call this person Joe Christian, okay? Because there's about half a billion, good job, man, Thank you, you I called it. That. Okay, we'll give him a Bible just to display that. So he loves Jesus, has been saved, is trusting Jesus Christ as his Savior, Lord, and treasure, okay? So there's half a billion People in the world today who know and love Jesus Christ. Okay. Now, next we have. I get next prompt over here. We have a million. I'm sorry, a billion people. Sorry, guys, who are Christians in name only. Okay, they would call themselves Christians because because they were. We we did not cast this very well. We understand that, but um, <laughs> but you guys are good actors, so you can do it. Okay, so. These people were like born in a Christian family. Can you figure out how to get that off and put that on? Okay. All right. So there's one billion people who'd be Christian in name only. They might go to church on Easter and, and, and Christmas, or maybe every Sunday they go, but it's, it's purely a, a, an outward thing. They don't love and know and trust Jesus in their own hearts. Okay, there's one billion of them. Does that make sense? Okay, now the next three, what's the next three? Oh, Yes. The next three are, are, um, are not followers of Jesus either, but they live in, in cultures where they have access to the gospel. So it wouldn't be crossing culture. There's churches in their culture. There's Bibles in their culture. There's Christians in their culture. Okay, but they have not responded to the gospel yet, so they're living in an area where there's light, but, but they're blind to the light that's there. So if you could put these on, and uh, I don't know. You guys you guys call it. Sorry. Okay, now, does that make sense? we have three billion people we would categorize as as reached. Any questions about that? Now, again, don't misunderstand. It doesn't mean half the world knows Jesus. Okay, there's needs here. There's needs here. Your neighbors are here, right? 950,000 people in San Jose are here. Okay, so there's needs here. Big old needs here. All right, but I just want you to see what's going on in the world. Any questions about that? Am I clear? Okay, so they're reached, but it doesn't mean that they're saved yet. All right, now, here's unreached. Half of the world lives in places where the gospel is not in their language or in their culture. So let's start off with. That's a good idea. Half a billion people, Chuck, who are atheists, okay? Oh, this is, well, this is right. Um, mostly Eastern Europe or China, okay? And I'm going to have you put this little bandana on because you were raised in the Red Brigade in China and you were taught that to be a good Chinese, boy, um, you'd be a good communist, and if you're a good Chinese, then you would be an atheist. That's what you're taught. And only uneducated people would ever believe in God. That's what you're taught being raised um, in the Red Brigade. And so in China and in Eastern Europe, there's atheism. Now, you've heard about the growth of the church in China, but the reason we're we're categorizing them and, and missiologists categorize them over here is they're still millions and millions and millions, and the massive percentage of the country is still in places where the gospel is not accessible to them. So that's where they're categorized here. So half a billion atheists in the world. Does that make sense? Okay. Next we have, this works out well, we have 1.5 billion, um, well, this is good, Muslims, right? Okay, and this is going to be your your prayer mat. You just hold on to it, okay? And this is a shador for you to put over your head if you wouldn't mind. And this is like a little shador if you'd put over your head too. Okay? And Muslims, you know, their creed is there is no God but Allah and Muhammad is his prophets. And uh, they hope to, to enter paradise at the end of their life if they have been good enough so that their, their, their good outweighs their evil, but they have no assurance of salvation. They, they, they don't, they're taught, I didn't know this before, they, they're taught that Jesus did not die on the cross. God would never let that happen to one of his prophets. And so they desperately need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay, so there's one point, so we have atheists and then we have three, hold up your prayer, mat, okay, because he prays five times a day. So there's 1.5 billion Muslims, all right? The U people are part of this group right here, and the Reef Berbers that we're also involved with are part of this group right here. Okay, the next we have um, Hindus. And, and if, you, if you could just hold your hands up in front of you like this. Okay, good. Now, So Hindus, mostly we're talking about India and um, Nepal, and they believe in millions of gods, and they, they think that if they, if they live virtuous, good lives, they believe in reincarnation too, and if they, if they live good, virtuous lives, then they may come back as a, as a, a priest or possibly even come back as a god. Or if they don't, they may come back like as a dog or a rat or something. So, um, okay, Hindus. And then last, this gentleman here, one half billion people. You're representing two different people groups of a quarter billion each. Okay, so put your all into it. Um, (laughs) If you could put this on just as kind of a robe. This is 250 million Buddhists. All right? And um, Buddhists are, are following the path of enlightenment. And hoping to attain nirvana, which is a state of blissful um, non-existence or non-consciousness. So, so half of this person is is Buddhist. So keep it on, and then the other half is tribal. Okay, kind of, if you can see it. Um, and tribal people live in very remote areas. Uh, there's actually 2,000 unreached, 3,000 unreached people, groups, and tribal. You might think of you know, the kind of the myth of the happy tribal person who's in, in sync with his environment, but in fact, tribal people are under terrible bondage to the demonic spirits, live in fear, oppression, constantly trying to appease them. Okay, so, so here's the picture, all right? Any questions about this? Okay, now what's missing in this picture? Missionaries. Okay, now if you have not seen this before, I need 10 of you to come up and be missionaries, and you'll stand like right here. Okay, ten missionaries. Lord, send laborers into the harvest. <laughs> send more laborers into the harvest. I need ten missionaries right here. Okay, and this is, this is if you if you haven't seen this before, it's very important. Okay, you get Stephen coming in? Okay, you guys all stand right here. Okay, how many do we have? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Okay, so here's the missionaries. And Jesus says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Now, you've got to decide who to go to. So you look at these people groups, okay? And then go. Where's God calling you to go? Go. Minister to Him. Okay. Okay, so it looks like we've got one, two, three over here with the reached. And one, two, three, wait a minute. Okay, I'm sorry. I, okay, one we got we got four. There's one, two, three, four, five. Okay, one, two, three, four, five here with the reached, and we've got one, two, three, four, five here with the unreached. Okay, now that's not not bad, but but actually, um, the proportion that that's not how the missionary uh, missionaries are deployed now in terms of the way it works out is there are only twenty percent of the missionaries with the unreached people. So I I need you three. You three to go back over here with the reached people, okay? And you two, come on, like, stand out here. So this is the way the missions force is deployed in the world now. 80% of cross-cultural missionaries, 80% of money that helps support cross-cultural missionaries goes to reached people groups, and 20% of cross-cultural missionaries and 20% of funds for missions goes to unreached people groups. Now, the point of this is not that there's no needs over here and you all are disobeying God and you need to change your call. Okay, that's not the point of this at all. Massive needs here. It's excellent what they're doing. What is the point? We need more of you to, to stand up, get out of your chairs and come over here. Okay, that's the point. So but I, just want, I just want you to see this. Do you, do you see what's going on? And now when you when you mix into this the fact that Jesus said this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all the people groups, and then the end will come, does that stir you even more? Okay? So I'm praying that this morning God's going to stir some of you to to go and be like career long-term missionaries in some really tough place. By the way, you know one of the reasons why... It's harder to stir people to go here is because these are risky places to live. And again, not to take away any, anything from missionaries who work amongst rich people. I, don't, I, don't, I want to be careful how I say that, but just so you know, we don't want to do a bait and switch. These are hard places to live. These are places where the government doesn't want you. These are places where the people don't want you. These are places where, I'll never forget being in Morocco, and the the, the missionary said, you're going to meet a man who's a new believer, one of the only believers in his city, be very careful. He's so happy to have some Christians coming. Be careful what you ask him to do. He'll do anything you ask him to do, and he could get killed if you ask him to do something that's not wise. Mm-hmm. One man following Jesus in this city, in Morocco. So, okay, let's give a hand to these people. You all can go back. <laughs> you did a very good job. Here's what I want to do. I want to just wrap this up with a couple of... What does this mean for us? First of all, any, any questions about this before I, I move into some application? I want to make sure that it's clear. Do you, do you see what we're, what we're picturing? Do you see the, the verse in Scripture? Any questions that come to your mind? Just want to make sure... Okay, if there are, that's fine. Because so often your questions help me be more clear about something I'm trying to communicate. So let me give you four what does this mean for us answers? And the first one is be deeply concerned about the plight of the unreached. I should have told you at the beginning why I'm, what does it have to do with filling our city with the gospel? Okay. That's, that's, this is the last week of this series and it's because as I got to week three and just praying about it, I just sensed from the Holy spirit that we needed to take a week and, and talk not just about filling San Jose or the South Bay with the gospel, but I want to communicate to you, Jesus heart to fill the globe with the gospel. Because we really have two prongs at Mercy Hill Church. We want to see the city filled with the gospel. Your neighborhood impacted with the gospel. Your friends, your workplace impacted with the gospel. We want to see that happening. But we also are going to be faithful to Matthew 24, 14. We want to see the peoples impacted with the gospel. Okay, so that's why I felt like we needed to take one week and and talk about this. And, And I just want to call you to be deeply concerned about the plight of the unreached. Now, put this in context. Romans 1, read it this afternoon, if you haven't read it recently, says that everyone, you, me, all the unreached, we've all known enough about God to respond to him rightly. But everyone, you, me, and all the unreached, have rebelled against God. So I just want to clarify, the unreached are not going to be judged for what they don't know. They'll be judged for how they've responded wrongly to what they have known, just like you and I have. And the way that they're saved now is through us going and sharing with them the gospel of Jesus so that they can turn to him and be forgiven. So read Romans 1 if you have questions about that. But I just want to stir us to be deeply concerned about the plight of the unreached. And I know... I mean, in your heart, you may be thinking, okay, I'm here at church, I'm, I'm, I'm seeking to stir up more love for Jesus, I've got work problems, you know, how are the 49ers going to do this afternoon? You know, you've got all kinds of things in your mind. And what's so easy to do is you, you hear a message like this and you think, I really ought to be burdened and compassionate for the unreached people groups, but I don't. And so you think, I'm just not a very good Christian, I'm not a very spiritual person. You walk out thinking, okay, I'm not a very good Christian, not a very good spiritual person, and then you're just kind of in a funk, and there you go until that wears off and whatever. Don't respond that way. Um, because the good news is good news and everything Jesus calls you to do and feel, he will provide for you. He's purchased it for you on the cross and he will give it to you as you trust him. He will give you the compassion you're to have for the unreached people groups. This is good news. So if you don't have it, don't just say, yeah, I'm not a very good Christian and I I don't do this very good either and, and just kind of walk out. But say, Lord Jesus, maybe take some time today, maybe even right now. Lord Jesus, I want to have compassion for unreached people groups. Would you give this to me? I look to you. I look to the cross. I look to your resurrection. I ask you, give me love for the unreached. And I promise you, he will do that. Your heart will change but how much will that happen if you just say I know I'm not a very good Christian and I really should feel more concerned for the unreached and and I'm just not doing it and and what's on TV how much will your heart change in that process? how much? none None. okay so don't do that that's not the point of the scriptures the point is everything comes through faith in Jesus Christ and as you say Jesus I'm sorry I'm more preoccupied about X, Y, and Z than about the unreached I'd love to have you change my heart Help me. And you, you feast on who Jesus is and you, you revel in the gospel and you look at the cross and you ask him to help you and you repent over your, the, the, how your heart's not in, in sync with his will. And, and as you do that, God will work in your heart. I, I promise you, your heart will feel more compassion for the unreached if you will trust Jesus and ask him to do it this week. I promise you, based on his word. Isn't that good news? Everything Jesus commands us to be, He will give to us as we trust Him, as we ask Him, as we seek Him. You can't put, you know, manufacture this stuff in yourself. You can't willpower your way into this stuff. He'll give it to you. So, ask Him to give you more compassion for the lost, and then second, pray for the unreached. And we're specifically involved in two unreached people groups, the Reef Berbers in North Morocco and the U people in Central Asia. In fact, yeah, this is, that's my college roommate in Kazakhstan talking to a group of U men. There's U food, U tea right there, okay? I, just, I, I had this for my screen screensaver for a long time. This is just a great picture because this is the first time these men have ever heard about Jesus. This is an amazing picture. Just think about it. This is it. And he's there with his family. They're back here now on sabbatical, but they've been in, in Almaty, Kazakhstan. We can talk about that because it's not quite as security uh, sensitive. But anyway, pray for unreached people groups. Pray If you're you, starting from scratch, pray for the Reef Berbers in North Morocco and pray for the U people, which is what Bill's with right here. Join us in missions prayer at the Strauss' house third Thursday of the month, Right? Okay, we we pray for the missionaries. Take time on your own just to put prayer for the unreached in your prayer schedule. Okay, third, I want to challenge you. Go to Morocco spring 2010 with us. March 20th. March 20th. We got a date, huh? Awesome, okay? Go to Morocco. Now, here's here's what's happening in Morocco. This is amongst the Reef Berber people. And an earthquake was there six years ago or so and destroyed thousands of homes. And we've been sending teams there almost every year. Many, many other churches are involved in this to rebuild the homes of these Muslim people. And they wonder, why are you rich Americans spending your money to come here and help me, this widow, this person, rebuild their their home? And there's a couple of Reef Berber believers who then explain in their language why we're there. It's because of Isa, Jesus. And because of this, there's a little underground church, and the the missionaries there tell us this is the first time there's been a church in this area for centuries, in in Al-Hussema. And so I want to challenge you, go. March 20th, 2010, okay? About 10 days? Well, a total of two weeks, because we have a day and a half travel. Okay, two weeks. How do you get the time off work? Pray. How do you get the money? You don't need to foot the bill yourself. I would encourage you to ask people here, ask family members to help support you in this. Um, we, we will help you find ways to raise the money. Nobody should not go for financial reasons, okay? You can take your family. We've had the Mancini's go with Holden when he was how old? 20 months. 20 months. We had the whole Keene family go a couple years ago. All right, and I'm blanking out. The Marshes went, okay. Other families, who am I forgetting? Nicole's been raising money for the school kids there right, with the children's ministry. That's been fantastic. Anyway, let me challenge you. Go in March. You will be profoundly touched by being in a country where it's illegal for people to become Christians. It'll be amazing for you. And God will meet you. And he'll use you in their lives. That's the third one. And then lastly, consider giving your life to bringing the gospel to an unreached people group. I mean, we're, we're all missionaries. You're a missionary in your neighborhood. I mean, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're a missionary, right? Neighborhood, workplace. Um, and then he calls some of us to go to other countries. And it's, it, it's all the same. I mean, we're, we're all laying our lives down at his feet saying, what do you want us to do? And some, he says, be a missionary in San Jose. Others, he says, be a missionary in Central Asia. Our vision here is that regularly we would send people To be full-time career missionaries amongst unreached people groups—that's our heart. We've sent one couple full-time in Central Asia. There's another family, the Keeners, are in south uh, southeast China, and they're coming back this next summer. We believe they've done a great work there. He's an engineer, bivocational, supports himself. But I want to challenge you: Have you asked the Lord Jesus? Do you want me to go to Central Asia? I'll, I'll go if you want me to. If you'll make me willing. Okay, do you want me to go to Morocco? I was reminded, Chris Keener, you might remember this if you were here three years ago, I I read an email, Chris is the guy in Southeast China, he had a dream that we were sending someone full-time from this church to go to North Morocco as a full-time career missionary. That may be from the Lord, it may not be, but I'm praying that it will be. So my challenge is, ask the Lord. Don't just say, well, that, 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 that could never happen because of X, Y, and Z. Ask him ask him ask the Lord to give you compassion for the unreached pray for the unreached go to, the, to Morocco in, in March 2010 and consider being a full time career missionary every follower of Jesus should, should lay that question before the Lord and say is this what you want me to do yes or no and they make me willing whatever you say have you done that are you afraid to do that That's not a good sign. It's not a good sign. You need to see more of Jesus' love. You need to see more of his goodness, more of his power. Anyway, that's a whole other sermon. Let's stand. Let me pray for us. Let me just pray those four things into our lives. First of all, Jesus, I praise you that everything you call us to do, everything you call us to feel, we don't have to try to come up with it in ourselves, and we can't. But you give, you give it all to us as we trust you, as we confess, as we ask you, as we repent, as we look to you. And so I pray, Lord, that you would do a powerful work in us, that we would feel the plight of the U people, of the Reef Berbers, of the Jabala people, of the shawia Berbers in Algeria, 12,000 unreached people groups, that we would feel the plight. And Lord, that whether you call us to go or not, we would have compassion and that we would care. And then let that flow into prayer Lord, I ask that we would make prayer for unreached peoples, for missionaries with unreached peoples, that that would become a regular part of our prayer lives. Because, Lord, we long for you to come back. And we know that you'll come back once the gospel's been preached to all the people groups. I pray, Lord, that you, by your spirit, would stir some right now to go to Morocco I pray for a team of like 10, 15 people. That'd be an amazing thing. And you'd provide the money to to send them. I trust you for that too. But you would do that. I pray that you would do that, Lord. And Lord, I I pray that you would call some here to go full-time career missionaries. Do that, Lord. I pray that you would free us from fear of how you might say yes. But just like with a couple I talked about earlier who changed their life direction to go to Central Asia, that you would... Start with our hearts and then thrill us with that call. So I pray, Lord, you'd work in these ways. For the glory of your name, pour out your spirit upon us. We open our hearts to you, Lord Jesus. Would you work your will in us? We just say yes, Lord. If you'll change us, if you'll pour your compassion into us, if you'll enable us, we'll respond, Lord, Even give us the response, we pray. But Lord, we we say we want your will. Even if we're fearful, even if we feel absolutely inadequate, we want your will. So Lord, come and work. Give us compassion. Give us prayer. Call us to go. Provide all that's needed. For the sake of the unreached who have no access to the gospel, for the sake of your being glorified amongst The you people, amongst the Reef Berbers, amongst the 12,000 unreached people groups that are still unreached, do this, we pray, for the glory of your name. Amen.